Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Listeners, this is today's guest, Mary Snyder. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know that between recording the following podcast and sending it to air, the Occupational Health and Safety Administration, OSHA, released new guidance regarding masking in the workplace. OSHA has now written the CDC's masking guidance for vaccinated workers in substantial to high transmission areas, which is mentioned in the following podcast, into its own guidance. And more importantly for the vaccination conversation that is the subject of this podcast, OSHA has also doubled down in regard to the permissibility of mandated vaccinations, advising that employers should consider adopting policies that require workers to get vaccinated or to undergo regular COVID-19 testing in addition to mask wearing and physical distancing if they remain unvaccinated. I'm quite certain that OSHA has not considered the wage and hour implications of the mandatory testing they suggest for unvaccinated workers, but that is a subject for a different federal agency and maybe a separate podcast. With this new guidance in mind, enjoy episode 18 of Crone Dunleavy's Briefly Legal, hosted by Adam Childers. Welcome back, everyone. It's your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. Well, it's uh, another beautiful day, summertime here in the Crow's Nest in downtown Oklahoma City. Unfortunately, what's uh, taken a little bit of luster off of that uh, beautiful day out there is the specter of COVID-19 and the Delta variant that continues to make our life kind of difficult to navigate. And so it's for that reason that I am having a a podcast today, podcast number 18 of Briefly Legal, to talk about mandatory vaccinations. It's a big, hot topic that is being hotly debated uh, by folks all across the country, particularly in light of this surge uh, in the pandemic. I've lost track of how many surges we've had, but it's, uh, it's definitely back again. And in order to have that conversation, I'm pleased to be joined by my law partner, uh, Mary Snyder. Mary, say hello to everybody. Hey, everyone. So I'm excited not only to have Mary here to talk about this topic today, because she is, in many respects, our COVID-19 czar, our guru, as it were, for helping us through all these issues and all of our clients as well. But it's also exciting because Mary Snyder is the dulcet tone of our voiceover for the beginning of Briefly Legal, something that my daughter likes to point out to me. She says, Dad, you sound pretty good on this show, but uh, Mary just sounds so professional. Professional, and I love to listen to her voice. So you're going to get to listen to that tone all of this podcast. So that's exciting news. But it's more than uh, the, the melody of her voice that brings her here as a guest today. It's also the expertise that Mary brings to topics like these that uh, made me want to bring her on as a guest on today's show. Mary's been practicing law since 1999. She started out on the West Coast practicing uh, in California 
California after her Harvard Law graduation, but she's been in our fair state for closing in on nine years now here at the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy, where she is a full-service labor and employment attorney, also heads up our business immigration practice, and she's routinely uh, noted as one of the best attorneys in the field, including by Best Lawyers of America for Labor Law Management. So she brings a lot to the table when it comes to these topics, and, and, and I'm really happy to have this discussion with her today. Mary, it's a dense topic, one that we should just jump right into because, you know, even in our elevator ride, just to come to the the, the studio to have this uh, podcast made, we were noting that there were developments that you and I had just seen, you know, coming across our phone just as we were uh, co- coming down here. So this is a, a topic that lends itself to discussion because every day brings a, a new story. But let's reset things for just a moment. I'm thinking back, way back to Episode number two of Briefly Legal, it was with our law partner, uh, a member of the labor and employment section, Tanya Bryant. Back then, we were talking about almost in a conceptual kind of discussion about whether or not a mandatory vaccination could even be imposed by a private employer. And, And the discussion back then was prompted by the EEOC kind of coming out with some guidance that seemed to indicate um, that they were in support of or certainly wouldn't stand in the way of uh, mandatory vaccination. But that was still in the early days of the, the vaccination. So kind of pick up the thread from there, Mary, if you would. Kind of talk through the early days of the EEOC guidance, followed by kind of some silence on the issue. And then we'll revisit after that kind of where things have been in the last month or so. Right. So the EEOC originally uh, indicated that it didn't see a problem with that. Of course, employers had to be cautious about people who were not being vaccinated for protected reasons, such as somebody with a disability that uh, makes it so they can't have the vaccination, employer would need to offer them an accommodation for that. Same thing for sincerely held religious beliefs. But at that time, the vaccinations were not readily available to most workers. And so, you know, a lot of employers were not able to really even contemplate putting a mandatory vaccination policy in place because their workers couldn't get vaccinated. I mean, we had folks, as you recall, here in Oklahoma driving two or three hours because that's where they could get the spot to get the vaccine. But eventually, by you know April, May, vaccination rates started to stall out, and some employers wanted to start thinking a little bit more carefully about, okay, are we going to put something like that in place? And knowing that the employers were starting to have those questions percolate, we in the labor and employment field, on the management side, you know, counseling our clients, we had to admit that there was kind of a you know, an absence of controlling guidance from some of the organizations we might have expected to uh, opine on that. Uh, For instance, uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, uh, they'd been kind of quiet on the topic for a while. Is that right? 
Well, that's right. So OSHA's guidance, at least what has been public facing in late spring of this year, we had the CDC changing its guidance and saying, hey, vaccinated workers can act differently or vaccinated people can act differently than unvaccinated people. Vaccinated people can take off their masks. But you still had OSHA with guidance that had been put in place back in January saying you can't treat vaccinated workers and unvaccinated workers differently in your workplace. And so there was a lot of um, concern on our part that we didn't know exactly where OSHA was going to go. OSHA's overarching view seemed to be follow CDC guidance and you will be complying with your duties under OSHA. But we didn't really know what they were going to do with vaccinated workers. You're right. And so we all watched like hawks to see if new guidance would be forthcoming. Then we get kind of a a flurry of guidance uh, in the June-July time period. Uh, We had uh, additional guidance from the EEOC. Um, OSHA weighed in as well. And we even had the Department of Justice say that in a memorandum uh, that it saw nothing in federal law that would keep an employer from mandating uh, vaccines in the workplace. So I think the takeaway was, and, and, and tell me your thoughts on this, but it seemed to be that we were kind of back where we started, that it seemed to be that there was a general endorsement, or at least barring that, nothing explicitly saying that you could not mandate vaccines. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the DOJ was a sounding endorsement of employers have a right to do this, even if or even during the time that it is only authorized for emergency use. There is not a problem mandating vaccines for your workers, so long as everyone remembers to follow the EEOC's guidance regarding those protected statuses. And I'm glad you mentioned that emergency use authorization. Um, That was a big topic early on. The Food and Drug Administration um, has certain rules in place about, you know, any drug that's not yet fully endorsed by the FDA. And a lot of people were pointing to that designation and saying, but wait, you can't do that when it comes to mandatory vaccinations. Now, of course, the FDA doesn't govern the workplace, and so there was questions about jurisdiction. But I think you, what you just said is that the DOJ seemed to kind of step in and say, don't worry about that so much. Is that is that a fair characterization? That is. And I, I think that, you know, the DOJ was commenting generally, we also had the Methodist Hospital case down out of Texas that addressed it very specifically as well with, you know, so both we've had appellate courts and the DOJ commenting that mandating that an employee get the vaccine, while it's authorized for emergency use only, does not violate that provision that requires that the vaccine be consensual. And basically what they've explained is that that disclosure is meant so that you can't be physically forced to take it. But of course, an employer mandating it isn't physically forcing anybody to take it. It's just saying you have to choose between this and your job. And that's exactly the conundrum that was facing those employees in the uh, Methodist Hospital case down in Houston that you just referenced. Um, That was a 
big, big hospital system, 28,000 employees, and about 200 of them uh, brought a lawsuit trying to enjoin that policy, that mandatory vaccination policy from their employer going into place. And and you, you kind of just uh, reference this just a little bit, but you and I have both read that opinion. It, it pretty categorically shot down all the arguments that are being thrown at employers who try to mandate uh, vaccination policies, right? Yeah, it addressed both that emergency use argument and an additional argument that um, I think people across the country have have thrown around, which is an idea that, hey, maybe we have some sort of state public policy claim that would um, make it so that terminating someone for not getting uh, vaccination might violate the public policy of the state. And of course, a court in Texas can't rule on the public policy of states outside Texas. But in general, it does sound like um, you'd need a pretty specific state public policy to be able to base a public policy claim on on a vaccination program. And that really seemed to open the floodgates nationally and even locally. I, I know that we saw um, some of our very big health systems step up and make decisions about having mandatory vaccine programs. We saw SSM Health, uh, you know, St. Anthony uh, Hospital. Um, we've seen Mercy join the same ranks. Uh, but now, you know, it, it's not just healthcare that's getting involved. As, as you and I have discussed, we're seeing it happen in a lot of other industries. Talk about that. Yeah, we we do. And what I am seeing is that it looks like very large companies, big banks, big law firms, particularly those that have a big presence in states like New York and California, seem to be leading the charge here. As we were in the elevator today, we got a notification on our phone that the Tenth Circuit is now mandating vaccines for anybody who wants to file things in person in their building. They, if if not, you'll have to use a drop box. So. It is spreading. I am getting more and more calls from smaller employers who are wondering, is it time to do this? Particularly because OSHA has come out with guidance saying that the protections that it has said that we have to follow, employers have to follow for protecting employees from COVID, really only apply to unvaccinated workers. And so many employers are starting to think, hey, wait a second, we don't want to have to have all this stuff in place. It impacts our work environment. It impacts how we interact with our customers and our clients. Maybe we'd be better off if everyone needed was just vaccinated. And so, you know, people are moving toward that um, in some area. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're tapping into that kind of this wave of sentiment that is leading us in that direction. That news that we just learned today about the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers, uh, you know, kind of a swath of the country, I think about 11 different states that feed into the 10th Circuit. It's an important one for lawyers like ourselves. I, I read even in the order that came from the 10th Circuit that if you want to have oral argument, you want to go make your case before the 10th Circuit and you're not vaccinated, then you've got to petition the court just for the right to show up uh, by video. It's not even a given that you'll have the chance to make argument, and you certainly won't get to do it in the hallowed halls of uh, of the 10th Circuit. So I think you're exactly right. We're seeing some seismic moves, not just in the healthcare industry, but across the board. But that raises another issue, Mary, which is 
even if an employer wants to do that, you know, is there a downside to it? Are there things that might be impediments to doing that? And and you and I talked about one earlier, and I'd like for you to share it with our audience now. And that has to do with scarcity of employees. What impact could that have? Well, absolutely. I mean, employers may have their own philosophy that they don't want to require employees to do that, and that might be a deterrent. But in addition to that, a lot of industries are seeing an inability to get the workers that they need, right? And so if you are in a business where you're having a hard time covering your shifts as it is, you may not be able to continue to run if all of your unvaccinated workers decide they don't want to work for you if you mandate vaccines. And so some employers are in a situation where even if they wanted to mandate that, it could be detrimental to their business. Absolutely. Careful what you ask for, right? Uh, You put that rule in place and then suddenly can't replace those that are gone um, who didn't want to abide. And that's not to say that there aren't others who are just philosophically opposed to even having the program to begin with, which leads to the kind of the final segment I want to talk through, Mary, which is, you know, what are the other alternatives that are out there that employers uh, should be thinking about? There's Surely there's other things in the toolbox that could help in this situation. Talk us through some of those options. Well, I think a starting point is for employers to, in a very careful way, understand the vaccine levels they have in their own workplace. And so we have developed surveys that will allow employers to gather that information in a way that doesn't cross the line into gathering information that you're not supposed to ask employees because it's a it's a little bit of a tricky area. You don't want to be asking them confidential medical information, but uh, vaccine status is not confidential. And so you can ask that. So that's the starting point, right? Figure Absolutely. Out Get where some reliable at. data that you can use to determine, you know, how big a deal would it be to go to a, a mandatory vaccination policy? If you've only got two people in the office, maybe this is something you think about. If half your workforce is not, maybe you look at some other ideas. And what are those other ideas? Well, one that a lot of employers are implementing are incentives to get vaccines, right? Maybe employees would be willing to get the vaccine for extra vacation days or, you know, if their time was paid while they went to get it. Um, a one-time bonus, like a, almost like a signing bonus. Right, right. And so, you know, that that may be enough. But for those who, who really are uh, philosophically opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to even want to pay you to put this thing in your arm that you don't want in your arm. The other option and and maybe duty of employers is to unfortunately have to start rolling back some of these COVID protocols because the CDC has, or I guess putting back in place, not rolling back, right. <laughs> putting back in place the COVID protocols that may have been rolled back earlier in the year. With this Delta variant, the CDC has said that even vaccinated workers should go back to masking indoors if they're in a substantial or high risk area. Right now, we sit in one of those areas. So Oklahoma City, uh, most of Oklahoma is in a substantial or high risk area. And so employers should be looking at, okay, so what are we going to do to protect all of our workers from this uh, variant spreading inside our walls? Yeah, which means you got to be thinking about social distancing, masking for vaccinated and unvaccinated, 
thinking about the size and, and number of meetings that you have and how they're held and, and, and all the rest. In other words, it's, uh, it's back to the future <laughs> when it comes to our COVID precautions and protocols. Well, it's a fascinating topic. It's also an infuriating one. I don't know of anyone who thinks about any of this and thinks it's, it's fun, but it, it is absolutely something that we've been dealing with since, uh, March of last year, uh, here in Oklahoma. And, and, and I probably would guess we'll be talking about it come March next year and maybe beyond as well. So it's, it's a good thing that we've got our fingers on the, on the pulse of the situation. And, and Mary Snyder is someone that, uh, knows it as well or better than anyone in the legal field in Oklahoma. And so I sure appreciate your expertise today. Mary, I don't want you to depart, um, without playing my favorite game of every podcast, and that is Get to Know Your Crow. And in this section, I know that our loyal listeners not only will uh, be excited to hear a little factoid about you they might not have known, but for those who just now know you to be the voice uh, that greets them on this lovely podcast, I want to share something about you that they might not know. So I am told that um, you are what we would perhaps uh, call a cat lady. Uh, and by that, I mean that uh, you, you got a lot of felines in your life. Um, how many How many do you have first? I have four cats. Okay. So we're not in crazy cat lady territory. It's just, you're just cat lady. And that's, that's a good thing. Uh, tell us the names of those four cats. Well, we have Hunter and Pete and Oreo and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Okay. A little, uh, Star Wars flair for the last of those. I, I, I remember Pete because Pete made a guest appearance on a webinar that we uh, did one time and you were broadcasting from your house and, uh, he, he's a big boy. He is. He's an 18 pound cat. <laughs> well, he his uh, his guest appearance was much appreciated, and, and I'm I appreciate you letting all of us know a little bit about uh, that slice of your life, Mary. It's really been a wonderful show, and I appreciate all of the knowledge in an area where we are all searching for answers in difficult times. And I really appreciate everything you've done, not just for the our clients and the business community, but really for our own firm as we've had to deal with the same situations that all of you. Listeners are out there are dealing with. We are all in this truly together. So, in closing, uh, loyal listeners, I want you to know that uh, you know it's been a while since I've asked this, but I would really enjoy if you could give us a quick rating or a review on the podcast app of your choice that you're using to uh, listen to today's episode. We love getting your feedback as we continue to grow this show. And also, if you ever have a topic, uh, you know, an idea for an upcoming show, will you just please drop us a note at legal at crowdunlevy.com. We always enjoy hearing from our fans. Well, thanks for your time today. We'll be sure to keep you up to speed as we progress through these interesting times that we find ourselves in. But we'll all get through it together. So stay safe out there, friends. Until next time, this is your host, Adam Childers, signing off, saying thanks for joining us here on Briefly Legal. 